Welcome to the Barnabas Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Claude Brown. I'd like to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you. If this is your first time listening to Barnabas Speaks, I would like to welcome you and also let you know what Barnabas Speaks is about. Barnabas, Barnabas Speaks was birthed out of the idea that I would like that I am an encourager by na- nature and empowerment, uh, empowering by nature. And so that's how Barnabas Speaks was, was built. It actually I mean, the, the son of encouragement, the name Barnabas, which you will find in the Bible. And so the Barnabas Speaks podcast is a podcast that's built on encouragement, empowerment, and faith. I'm a faith man. I love uh, and I'm, I love and I'm open about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's where a lot of my principles are pulled from as I speak. I always try to give you a faith perspective and also a practical perspective. And sometimes those things intertwine, interline. So I would like to uh, welcome you to... This week's episode of The Barnabas Speaks. If this is your first time listening, I want to welcome you once again and hope that uh, that this is a blessing to you, that you enjoy it, and that, it, that you can come back. And for those that are continuing and returning listeners, I'd just like to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, the theme song you heard at the beginning was produced and uh, created by a, uh, a young gentleman that I had the, the opportunity to mentor. Uh, he... Um, affectionately calls me Unc, and I affectionately call him Nephew. His name is Michael Brown, uh, and uh, his production company is Michael Brown Productions. Michael Brown Productions. Uh, and uh, I will make sure that you get his information at the end of the podcast if you would like to go to him, if you like the music that was provided, the new theme music for the Barnabas Speaks podcast, and I just want to shout him out. <clears throat> now, last week, this past couple weeks, we've been talking about the Renaissance Man, and last week we Talked about millennials, and I said that there's probably going to be a part two. Excuse me, and it definitely is going to be a part two. This is part two of the millennial conversation. Um, I, being a millennial, I consider myself to be an apologist to the, for the millennials or defender of the millennials because often we get bad raps. Uh, we are seen as the, the cupcake generation. We're seen as the uh, the, the, the generation of offense and all these different things. And oftentimes we, what was said about millennials is is a criticism. Now, I realize that this is not uh, this is not isolated to our generation. Every previous generation always criticized their generation that comes after them or their predecessors. Oh, no, they're the generation that comes after them. And so it's normal. Uh, but I feel that it is my job uh, as a millennial, but uh, as my job as this person that's observing and watches culture and watches different things and watches people and encourages and empowers people to shed a different light on the millennials and how does it correlate with the Renaissance man. Now, once again, if you're listening and this is your first time listening, uh, understand that when I say the Renaissance man, I am not speaking in terms of gender. The Renaissance man was built off of a, or it's contrived off of a, a movie that I saw in the late mid to late 90s called The Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito and Alan Payne and uh, Stacey Dash. And uh, it was one of my favorite movies. I really liked it. And so that's how this was birthed. And thought about the Renaissance man is that the that we as Christians, we as people, we as a generation must be more well-rounded. The Renaissance man is well-rounded. He is uh, he is a person that that seeks to uh, to be knowledgeable and to have some to be able to to be to wise have wisdom 
in all different uh, aspects and to, to be able to add and contribute to society in different lanes, different avenues. And I believe that we, the Christian, must be as uh, as as uh, well-rounded and as flexible as possible because we have a, a mission. We have the Great Commission that, that tells us that we should go to all men, go about all the earth and deliver to them the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ that he we, we preach on his life, we preach on his death, we preach on his resurrection, and we preach that we are saved through the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and by the resur- and we are we are saved also by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, if we're going to do that, we must be well rounded, we must be well versed, we must be well educated, and we must be able to do like Paul says. He says that I became all things to all men. To the Greek, he was Greek. To the Hebrew, he was Hebrew. To the to the the the, the person that was focused on the law he became he understood the law and he was able to interpret the law to those that to the gentile he became a gentile and for all those things to the roman he became a roman and all as i go on and go on he became all these things because he needed to be well-rounded he knew several different languages he was well educated to a way that he can approach approach people in a different way and so where does the millennial come in that Cloyd, you started this millennial talk and it seems like it's a, a departure from your your title which is the renaissance man your series title and excuse me, while I take a sip of tea. Uh, and you're correct; it, it does seem like a departure, but it really is not. Because as much as we uh, we we criticize the millennial, as much as we we tear down the millennial, as much as we we even in the millennial generation try to separate ourselves, and this is the, this is the challenge. It says the millennials uh, are ages uh, that the millennial uh, age group. Is those born between night, uh, early 1980s and early 2000s? Uh, really, it, I found that it was uh, 81 to 1996. Those that were born from eight, 1981 to 1996. Uh, they say roughly you are between the ages of seven. It said between the ages of 17 and 37, but uh, it really is those that are in the uh, mid to l- mid. 20s to mid 30s and a lot of times I find that people that are are my age that are in their 30s they find themselves critiquing and criticizing those that are just a little bit younger than them and just to try to form separation and the challenge is that we live in a very separated society and trying to prove that we are we are better than this generation or we're better than this group of people and the challenge with that is that that is not we as Christians, that's not what we're called to do. We we oftentimes we as Christians believe that our job is to call out the world on worldly on worldly things. But the thing is that if we are truly going to we must live, first of all, we must live how what we're preaching in order to be able to affect and to 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 impact the world. People will be better served. They will be the world. The, the, the Great Commission will be better served when we learn how to live what we're saying. And where does the millennial come into that? That we find that, especially when you talk about millennials in the workplace, it's fine. We find that millennials are more more in tune with a a, a company's or a business's social and uh, environmental impact 
than any other generation. And the thing about that is that I, the millennial generation is the largest generation right now, specifically in the workforce. Right now, uh, the millennials make up a quarter of the U.S. population with a total of 77 million people. That's the U.S. The generation is larger than the baby boomers and three times the size of Generation X. Also continuing on with the facts, millennials are the best educated group of young, young adults in U.S. history, with a third of older millennials, ages 26 to 33, having earned at least a four-year college degree. In the last five years, 87, 87% of millennial workers took on management roles compared with 38% of Generation X and 19% of baby boomers. 54% of millennials either want to start a business or already have started one. Now, this goes back to my point last week about the, the, the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. Now, so when we begin to think about millennials and we begin to think, oh, oh please excuse me, uh, but uh, uh, as we begin to think about millennials, as we begin to think about their impact and we think about the in, the, 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 what they're doing uh, what I find interesting is uh, in uh, one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And uh, we uh, people know about it uh, because chapter 3 is one thing that is uh, read all the time. That's for everything. There is a season. Uh, but that is there's a few reasons uh, why I like the the book Ecclesiastes. One, it uh, it just the, the the it's part of the wisdom poetry, but it just, it just I always felt like it was really good. But there's a verse there, in verse nine, uh, Ecclesiastes one and nine that says, "What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. And there is nothing new under the sun." So, as I begin to think, as I begin to think about this, 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 this scripture and this thought, it made me wonder, if there's nothing new under the sun, then what changes? And I believe that as our perspective changes and that now that we have reached that, that the millennials are, are taking control of things, perspectives change and nothing that people fight more than is the change and shift in power. And so some of the criticisms that we hear of the millennials are a, fr- a fear of the change and shift in power. But if we, the millennial generation, are going to make an impact, we must be, one, willing to understand that we have a different perspective and that perspective is what's going to change the world. If we understand that the, the problems that we have are, are recycled problems, that we understand that the challenges that we have are recycled challenges, because we have to look at it like this. Although we have made progress since the civil rights movement till now, or we think about from slavery to the civil rights movement, from civil rights movement to now, there has been progress. There are certain things that have not changed. Racism is still alive. Prejudice is still alive. Sexism, sexism racism, uh, those things are still problems within our community, within our culture, and we must understand that some things are not uh, changed. And we must also continue to understand that the United States, as for those that listen to my podcast from the, the, the United States, uh, and we have to realize that because our our country was built with uh, 
with white supremacy and uh, slave mindsets and uh, slave master mindsets and mentalities and inferior inferiority complexes and and all these different things because it's part of the 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 fabric of the nation because it was part of as it as it became uh, as they built and they designed certain things it was not built on the level of equality for all mankind and we like we cannot. While we while we don't have to become stagnant and become uh, stuck in that position, we must acknowledge that that is part of our history. Whether you want to believe it or not, white supremacy, uh, racism, and, and prejudice, and slavery, and uh, sexism is all part of the fabric of the, the the foundation of this great country. Now, it does not beca- stop becoming great because we have these issues, but that we are great in spite of those issues. Now, what that means is, is that we, the millennial generation, must now be the generation that changes their perspectives because if there's nothing new on the sun, we still have problems in racism. We still have problems in white supremacy. We still have problems in sexism. We still pro- have problems with, with hate crimes. We still have problems with, 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 with international wars. And we, have, we still have problems with, with, with religious persecution. We still have all these different problems. So that means that there's nothing new on the sun. There's nothing that has not been seen before. But the challenge now must be that we must begin to challenge ourselves to change our perspective and the perspective change begins with the millennials we are the if we are the most educated and we have the most the the greatest access access to technology and information then we must take that ability and that 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 intelligence and that know-how and that technology and that knowledge and that wisdom and change the perspective because if we are going to begin to be the the the, the generation that that leads the next generation into the next shift we must begin to change our perspective and realize that we can no longer ignore the problems of our past in families, we, 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 we ignore things. and In families, we begin to ignore uh, the, the fact that uncle, uncle such and such uh, shouldn't be around kids and he, and he molested these kids and we brushed it. We said it was family business. We changed it and said it was family secrets and that what happens in this house stays in this house. And we must break the chains of that, that thing. We, as the millennial generation, must now take a turn and begin to look at it from a different perspective because what we have been doing is then uh, uh, perpetuating the cycle of hurt and perpetuating the cycle of abuse and perpetuating the cycle of, 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 of pedophilia and perpetuating the cycle of, of child abuse and, and sexual abuse and, and statutory rape we've been perpetuating because we have not been committed to looking at it from a different perspective and calling a spade with spade, a spade a spade and because we have been so busy talking about family business and trying to protect Protect the family at the for the at the sake of the victim, because there there are, there have been daughters that have been touched, there have been sons that have been touched, there have been, and and I don't want to get stuck on this, but this is this is this is one of the main things that happen in the in the communities inside the household because we we would rather protect the name of the adult that needs help. The problem is that we kept things quiet without get, allowing anyone to, to get help. We didn't allow the person that was victimized to get help. We didn't, problem, we didn't have the problem with the perpetrator getting help. We did not. So our silence and our perpetuation of a cycle caused 
people to sit in their trauma and sit in their sickness. But it is our generation must say no, and we must begin to be the voice that changed the perspective of how people view it. That is why, because things are shifting and things are, are changing, you know, say what you want about the millennial generation, but the millennial generation is, is, is the generation that has, um, they have the, 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 the media and the social media at their fingertips, and we have the ability and the power to shift the conversation and shift the perspective on how we view these things. That's why Harvey Weinstein is getting getting in trouble. That's why the Bill Cosby's are being being called out, and that's why things that have been going on for generations and generations has has changed because the millennials have spoken up and said we will no longer sit idly by the sideline and say that this this is the status quo. Who does that sound like? It sounds like what Christ wants us to do. We must, like in James it says, let no man say he's religious. Because perfect religion is to, to take care of the widows and take care of the, 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 the children and the orphans. And for many years, we have, we, have, we have ignored certain populations for the sake of power. And what it means to be someone that follows Christ is to take the power that God has poured into us by making us heirs to the throne, to being heirs with Christ Jesus. Because we are now heirs with Christ Jesus, we have authority and power to speak to power and say, this is not the case. Because we grew up in a, in a, in a society that was, that, that was masculine-based and, and, and a patriarchal society that, that men just kind of ran different things. Women were seen as second-class citizens, and no one was speaking up and saying that this is wrong. So it was normal and commonplace for women to, 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 be, to have to undergo sexual harassment. It was normal and commonplace for women to be, to be raped. Don't you understand, as, a, as almost 50 years ago, it, literally 50 years ago, if not more, a, a, a husband technically could not be charged with rape of his wife, even if it was, even if it, by the definition of rape. It's to this day that we are still striving to change the way people look at rape and sexual harassment. And, and, but it is now the millennials, it is our obligation, and what we're doing is now called causing people to change their perspective and say it's not. And I watch different things, and I watch men that, have, that grew up in and misogynistic uh, times and misogynistic environments, and they're now acknowledging their wrongdoings and saying it because the, the millennials' obligation and our voice and must be used to change the perspectives. If we're going to be true Renaissance men and women, if we're going to be Renaissance men, and we're going to be a Renaissance generation, we must now use the, the power of technology, the power of social media, the power of our of being the most educated generation there is to change the perspective and change the conversation and shift the conversation for justice for those that have been hurt and, and peace for those and, and, and counseling. And we're going to go to mental health in a second. But if we're going to do it, we can no longer continue to stand idly by and say certain things are family business. What happens in this house stays in this house. Don't embarrass the, the, the family and don't embarrass the business. And really what I want to say is that and we, we must cast off those chains to feel like that we have to keep these secrets at the sake of the healing of the victim.
There are people that have gone through trauma. They cannot get their, 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 their true healing. They cannot get their true treatment because we're told them to be quiet and keep it in house. But somebody needs to go see a counselor and somebody needs to pay the pay. There must be justice that's brought to the people that have been victims and victims again because we let we, we knew that un this uncle shouldn't have been around us. Oh. Let me slow down. I feel myself getting excited. Uh, I was thinking the other day. I was thinking the other day. I was thinking about the idea of, I think I mentioned this last week, the idea of step, step parents and uh, step families uh, to blended families. And I have nothing against a blended family. I am a product of a blended family. But we must acknowledge that there's some things that we have not considered that we imagine two families blending together, both teenagers, teenage boy and a teenage uh, teenage uh, girl, and them having to deal with the fact that they have all these hormones, and they have all these hormones, and they have this attraction for each other, but they're being told to ignore that attraction because now they're family. And while they are family, and I don't mean to insult anyone by the parent, the, the quote unquote, so the quotation marks, but they're trying to fight this thing. What happens when we don't do our our due diligence as we blend these families, and we don't realize that this sixteen year old, seventeen year old is a predator, or that this. 15 or 16-year-old has been touched and that now they, they, they're, they're perpetuating cycle because they've been touched. They're going to touch someone else. We have all these different things that we're dealing with and it is our it was our job. It, one is something that we've been dealing with for years, and that's the greatest thing is that what this scripture says in Ecclesiastes one and nine that there's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again, and there has what has been done will be done again. And it's our job to change our perspective. If there's nothing new under the sun, that we're still going through these problems. If, if, if the things don't change, our perspectives must change. Just like within the, 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 the religious and church community, that we must change our perspective on mental health and mental health counseling. And I'm not just saying that because my wife is, is a therapist, but I'm saying this because we cannot allow a person to sit in their trauma anymore and try to self-heal and self-medicate. There are people that are cutting themselves right now because they're trying to self-medicate a problem that needs to be counseled out. Yes, I am a firm believer that there's some things that need to be cast out because I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a, a believer in the power of Jesus Christ. And he said, what we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And I realize there's some things that can only be cast out and, and, and cast out through fasting and prayer. And I, and I acknowledge that and I believe that so, so, so much. But I also believe that God has blessed therapists and blessed counselors to be the 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 the, the the slow working ointment, the slow working uh, balm, <laughs> B-A-L-M, not B-O-M-B, B-A-L-M, or B-F, yeah, B-A-L-M, I feel like I couldn't spell, uh, it happens so much, but I want to make sure I'm, yes, uh, that there, there is a, a balm 
and their, their, their skills that they've been educated with, the gift that God has given them to, to, to minister through counseling and minister through therapy is going to be used and that, that, that God is using them through the gift that he has gifted them and then poured into them. And we have to stop looking at therapy and we stop, have to stop looking at counseling as, as something that is anti-Christ. That it, that it is an enemy of the church. Now, once again, I want to, I want to, to make sure that you understand that I, am, I do believe that there's some things that won't be able to be counseled out, won't be able to be, be, be talked out, that there's something that must be cast out, that must be bound, and must be loose, and something that we'll have to pray and fast about. But I also believe that God can also work through a counselor and therapist. And so what I'm, what, I, what I'm saying is that we must remove the stigma. And as it is my generation, the millennial generation, that is slowly starting to peel back the plastic wrap on mental health awareness and mental health therapies and mental health counseling. Because we've had the, 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 the tools and the gifts to go on, but we have, we, we, we did not take the plastic off. It was still in the plastic. And as we ripped the plastic off of this tool so that, we, <clears throat> that way we can use it and get full use out of it. We are meant to change the perspective on a lot of things so that people can get true healing. That people can get true deliverance. And what I'm, what I'm telling you right now, we must break loose of the, 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 the stigmatism that comes with going to therapy and the stigmatism with, of, with, of going to counseling. What's interesting is that we, we put this stigmatism on there and people are killing themselves because they're ashamed to go get help, to say that they struggle, that, that, to say that they're depressed, and that they struggle, to say that they're not all right. Because we've, we've trained people to, that when we ask them how they're doing, just to say, yeah, I'm doing good. Or, but what about the person that's not doing good? They can't, they're screaming in silence. They, they, they're boiling in silence. And much like the frog, one of the things that they, they teach you in biology when they talk about frogs is that because they're cold-blooded, if you were to turn the heat up immediately, they would jump out the pot, pot they were inside a pot. But if you just gradually turn the heat up, they would not jump out and they would eventually die. There are people that are gradually having the heat turned up on them and they're dying. Because they can't jump out. They, say they, they have to sit in the pot and act like everything's okay. They have to sit in the pot and act like they got it all together. And the challenge is that there are people beside them that are able to help them because they've been through what they've been through or they've, they, 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 they've, they've studied what they've been through. 
But because we have this stigmatism to make people believe that if you're saved, that you have to have everything together. If you're an adult, you have to have everything together. If you're a counselor, you shouldn't have, shouldn't need counseling. If you're a preacher, you shouldn't have problems with 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 with, with temptation. If you're if you're musician and all these different things and but the reality is well I don't care whether you're a preacher whether you're whether you're you're a musician whether you're a parent whether you're a husband whether you're a wife whether you've been faithful whether you've been unfaithful we all have some things that we're going to struggle with and it's okay to say that I'm not okay it's okay that is what our generation is changing the perspective on, is that you don't have to be he, man. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers. And what I'm telling you is that it's okay to say that you don't know. It's okay because the previous generation that felt like that, that they, they, they lived in this, this, this world where they created this picture, where they had it all together. But what I'm telling you right now as a millennial, that I don't have it all together and that although I don't, I don't cuss Sometimes I find cuss words in my head, and so I, it, it doesn't mean that I don't get angry. Just because I don't always express and show my emotion doesn't mean that I'm not that I'm not that I'm not that I don't have emotional problems. Just because I that, that, the fact that that I don't I don't uh, that, I, that I'm a preacher doesn't mean that temptation doesn't come my way, and and it doesn't mean that sometimes I don't say the wrong thing. It doesn't mean that that there's nothing that, that everything is all together. I don't have it all together, and the millennial has been has been the 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 the, the soapbox uh, or, or the, the the spokesman of I don't have it all together, and it's okay. The millennium has been the, the soapbox to say, I need help sometimes. And it's okay. We're here to change a perspective because as long as we continue to do the same things and to continue to say that, that, that act like we have it all together, that we have all the answers, we will continue to live in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 where the, what has been will be again. We're going to face it, but we can never conquer some of these things if we don't begin to change our perspective. And it is the millennials process right now that will begin to change your perspective. We're changing the perspective on how we look on jobs. It used to be that you stayed at a job 20, 30 years and you retired, whether you were happy or unhappy. But people, but millennials are, are getting up and changing their careers. Millennials are getting up and, and leaving companies for startups and that they're doing things that, that our predecessors haven't done. The millennials is no longer looking for just a good job. You know, a good job used to be that they pay you well and they got a good retirement. But we, the, we, the generation of, of, of the new millennium, are now seeing that that's not enough to be classified as a good job. What do you do in the community? What do you care about? How, how, how is your, the relationships built? How, what is the relationship building? Uh, how, what, are you, what is the, the work-life balance? We are asking those questions. If you go in the glass door and you go into a... The LinkedIn, you'll begin to see different things about work-life balance, and it's a good work-life balance, and it begins to speak to the things that that really matter. You begin to see that there's more thing that there's more days off for 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 husbands when they or for fathers when their children are born, and, and that they have that there's more mental health uh, uh, 
our coverage, uh, health insurance coverage, because these are the things that that my generation, our generation, are saying that is important and is no longer the status quo. Because we are seeking to change the perspective on how we approach different things. And the reality is, if there is nothing new under the sun, and we go, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. That means that we must be required to change our perspective. If the the world around us is not going to change, we must change our perspective. As we go on in Ecclesiastes, the writer begins to tell about all the different things that he's done, all the different attempts that he has. But what we need is a change of perspective. And how do we get that change of perspective? As the Christian, it's very simple. The Bible tells us that let this mind be in us that's also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that, 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 that uh, let, let, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means that, that, means that we're, we're changing our perspective on how we approach things. And so, okay, Chloe, you talked about the faith thing. You talked about this. Give us some practical things. You always give us, you said that you would always give us something practical for practical living. And I'm telling you that, that if, you've, if, if you've been on this job, the same thing, and you keep on, you're in a culture of nothing is changing, then you must begin to change your perspective on how to begin to shift things into change. So maybe if you've just been doing just enough, maybe do a little more, maybe implement some things, maybe implement some community service projects, maybe implement, maybe go around and talk to your employees and see what's important to them because the reality of it is is that if you continue to, to just go with the flow and go with, with what has been done and been done and done again and you don't begin to change your perspective, nothing will change. We'll still have problems with racism. We'll still have problems with sex, sexual harassment at the workplace. We'll still have a problem with sexism at the workplace. We'll still have a problem with, with prejudice at the workplace. We'll still have a problem with stereotypes. We'll still have problems with, with glass ceilings for, for certain individuals and certain races. We'll still have these problems because we have not seeked to change our perspective. If you're going to be a renaissance person, if, if, you're, going to be, if you're going to be true to the millennial, millennial charge, and the, the charge for us is to change our perspective. When we begin to change our perspective, when we begin to become active in our community, we begin to change the perspective of our communities. Go home. Go to the place where you grew up, and, and be, as, as you see that, that crime has gotten worse and worse, begin to look. And maybe the crime has gotten worse and worse because the opportunities haven't been presented. So figure out how you can bring opportunities. Figure out how you can get involved in your city council and, and figure out how you can get involved in your, your local government and the, the county commissioners and begin to change the perspective. Oh, man, go, go, and, go, go and adopt a highway. Go do things that are going to shift the way that, that, the way that you see it, your communities and the way that you see mental health and the way that you see your families. And I left you with nothing. I, I, I want to leave that, that there's no more room for things just for, 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 for trauma, for, for, for uh, statutory rape, for actual rape, sexual assault, to be family business anymore. I, that's, if you feel like I'm on the soapbox, I am because for years we've seen it. And people are screaming and boiling in silence because they're trying to figure out how to get their freedom. And it's hard when they have to live with their accuser, when they have to go to family reunions with their accuser. And the rest of the family knows but doesn't 
put anything to protect the victim. Everything was designed to protect the criminal, the assaulter. And we are killing our communities because we refuse to change our perspective. We're killing our communities because we refuse to change our perspective. The moment we can change our perspective is the moment we begin to change the perspective of our community. But until we begin to change our perspective and begin to take on the millennial charge of shining a light to those things that have been dark for so long, we will always begin to live out Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. What has been done will be done again. What has been will be again. And what has been done will be done again. So we'll still have problems with racism and prejudice and white supremacy and sexism and glass ceilings and hate crimes. We'll still have a problem with, 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 with uh, unequal hiring practices and unequal uh, home loan and home mortgage practices. Because we didn't take the time to change our perspective. Maybe the issue is not our community, but the issue is us because we refuse to change our perspective and take a different approach to change our communities. We have a responsibility to, we have responsibilities as millennials to take our knowledge and take our wisdom and take all our know-how and not just change the conversation but to change the perspective so that way our nation and our neighborhoods and our families can truly heal. Change your perspective. God bless. Hey, you have just listened to another episode of the Barnabas Speaks Podcast. I was your host, Chloe Brown, and I want to thank you for coming out. Thank you for those that are sharing and those that listen for the first time. Well, what I would like to do now is uh, definitely open up a mode of contact. For those that maybe just have a question about the Barnabas Speaks Podcast or anything else about encouragement and empowering, empowerment, those that are, have questions about their relationship with Christ, those that are looking to start the relationship with Christ and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And maybe just those look for prayer requests or those that would like to reach out to have me come and speak or would like a copy of my book, which is entitled The Becoming, Helping the Christian Disciple Gain a Practical Perspective of the Relationship with Christ. If, it's, if you fall in any of those categories, I would like to give you my email address and also my social media uh, handles. My email address is cloyd.brown at rlcrdu.com. Once again, that email is cloyd.brown at rlcrdu.com. My Facebook is Cloyd Stephon Brown. My Instagram is at Cloyd Brown. And my Twitter is at Gentleman Cloyd. So I'm sure you're wondering, how do you spell Cloyd? Cloyd is spelled C-L-O-Y-E-D. Once again, it's C-L-O-Y-E-D. O-Y-E-D. So reach out if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. I look forward to hearing from you. And thank you for coming out once again for the Barnabas Speaks podcast. If you enjoyed it, share it with your friends. Share it on your timeline. And let other people know about the Barnabas Speaks podcast. I would love it. And I look forward to hearing from you. And I look forward to for you guys coming back next week. And remember, never let your independence rob you from your dependence on God. God bless you. God love you.